Okay, my friends, welcome to Real Live Talk. Thanks so much for being here and taking the time to listen to this or watch this episode. My guest for today is Pastor James Williams. James is the lead pastor at Silver Spring Assembly of God in Silver Spring, Maryland. And uh, he was also my children's pastor going way back in the day, meaning that he pastored me when I was a child. So I know that just prepared you for everything that you've had to go through in ministry. <laughs> but uh, James is just, in my opinion, such a gift to the body of Christ. Really excited um, to uh, have this conversation with you today, man. So thanks so much for being here. How are you doing? Doing good. Yeah, doing well. Praise God. Yep. And, and glad to be here also. Yep. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. And uh, so we were talking a little bit off screen there just a, a few minutes ago, but um, it's been a little while since we've actually, you know, spoken and connected. And I haven't really talked to you in at least in this kind of format, for sure, since um, you became the pastor where you are now at Silver Spring. So uh, you've been there for about three years now, you've said. Right. And right. Um, yeah, maybe uh, could you just kind of give us maybe a little bit of your history and ministry up to this point i don't actually know like um going way back how you um got into ministry to begin with and i don't know was right. if evangel where where i grew up and where you were the children's pastor there for a number of years um if that was your first uh you know stop along the way in ministry or if you were somewhere before that so if you could just maybe for my benefit and, and the benefit of everyone listening sure. give us a little bit of uh of uh update on on you in terms of your your uh, history in serving right. the Lord, serving the body of Christ. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I got saved um, at, at a church in Farmville, Virginia, and really first started serving in, in ministry there in that church. In fact, that would have been the first place where I ever would have been referred to with pastor attached to my name. As I um, started serving as a children's pastor there, it was completely a volunteer role. Um, at that time, okay. but it was where I started preparing and learning. And um, but again, the pastor began to refer to me as you know the children's pastor in the church, list me in the directory, <laughs> all that. But it was um, I think it was in that time while I learned a lot from um, from Kurt Fox and really did. It was also in that time where I started to recognize the need for um, to be trained more. more to lore, you know, as I was going to pursue full-time ministry and feeling that call. So uh, from there, I ended up going to Valley Forge, Valley Forge Christian, University of Valley Forge now, Valley Forge Christian awesome. College then. Yeah. Yeah. You know, active in ministry all my time there. But, um, but from there was how I went to Bridgewater when I started. And um, man, if I can sneak it in real fast, just to let you know, the very, my very first connection to Bridgewater, New Jersey was I was in the mail room at the University of Valley Forge. And wow. I opened my mailbox and there was a letter there that was written from Dennis Rabineau that he had written to the school communicating that he was looking for a children's pastor and he was going to come to the school on a day to meet potential students. And I kid you mm. not, I balled that letter up and threw it away in the mailroom. <laughs> <laughs> I had no interest whatsoever. <laughs> so good. Didn't see that happening. I still remember showing it to a friend of mine and went, look, New Jersey. And we started laughing and I threw it away. And um, uh, the student ministries director stayed after me, wanting me to still meet with with um, with Pastor Rabino when he came. No, I really think you should wow. meet him. Uh, I met with him. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had a job interview for a position that you didn't want to get, uh, but I did. <laughs> so it didn't so go good. well. Um, it really didn't go well. 
it ended with, sorry, we can't work anything out. And that was that. And, and as I was walking out of that office, he called out to me and, um, and said, Hey, I have a Friday evening kids service at my church, which was Treehouse, as you remember. Yeah. And he said, I really could Come use on. some help with that right now. He said, would you be willing to do that until I can get it covered? Um, to help me out with that. And I had no reason to say no. So I yeah. said yes. And I started going there on Friday nights just to help with Treehouse. And um, and four months later, we were loading up the U-Haul truck, moving to New Jersey. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, so, That's and, a crazy um, story. You know, so, oh, yeah. It, it was a God thing, the way it came together. As, as my transitions, there's only been a couple since then, but as they've been as well, yeah, where they've really just been real God moments of, wow. Um, you know, um, I, I, I tried to get away from this yeah, and God still worked yeah, just, it out. Yeah. Just like yeah. bombing the interview on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> um, was it because it was in New Jersey or because you didn't um, see, see yourself being a youth pastor, or uh, a children's pastor at that time? Or what was the, I would say that New Jersey was part of it, but not particularly because of the state of New Jersey. I grew up in Virginia and I think in my mind, I just always saw myself going back to Virginia. Um, um, but I do remember in that whole process through those weeks that I started praying a prayer as God started dealing with me through that time where I genuinely started praying, God, I don't want to go back to Virginia just because it's easy. Mm. Um, I want to be where you want me to be. And, um, my home pastor, uh, had told me, you know, when you're finishing school, you know, you call me, we may bring you back on, or I'll help you find a position in another church, gotcha, whatever. So gotcha. I just always felt like that was where I would end up. And, um, um, so that was more of what it was related to. I just didn't have anything else on my radar. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, but it was a God thing for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so, really cool. The way that I'm there. Yeah, people people bust on New Jersey. I was only there a few years, but I have to tell people I was like, I don't know, I had a great time in New Jersey. <laughs> so, yeah. Man, I love New Jersey. I yeah. I had a um I was like they I got had good a, pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I miss I miss the pizza. I miss the food. I think that's what it is. It's main it's mainly the food yeah. Yeah. Uh, that I miss. But but yeah, it's 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 funny. When I was at my in my freshman year at Elon at uh, Elon Bible Institute where I went to college, it's like uh, I had to do for the English class that I was in, I had to prepare some kind of a debate. And so my debate was on why New Jersey is the best state. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure I killed it. Like, I'm pretty sure I won the debate. At the time, there was this there's this girl there that was from Connecticut. And we would have these back and forths about, you know, like me defending New Jersey, her defending Connecticut. And uh, Connecticut is a is a pretty awesome state, too, in terms of some of the stuff that they have going on for them. But I was like, no, right. New Jersey is where it's at. I'm still a right. big fan of New Jersey. <laughs> But anyway, I digress. It's uh, right. it's just it's cool. It's cool how obviously God wanted you there, and and even right. though you know he he orchestrated it in such a way to open you up to the even to actually being there, serving there in a ministry context. Yeah. When the you know being there full time, you were kind of you know closed off to at that, and and maybe maybe even. I think that a lot of people could relate to that, you know, having your mind set on something and it wasn't anything sure. bad in you. It was good intentions, I'm sure. But God just kind of working past that and creating just basically setting you up. It's funny how, you know, Jehovah Sneaky sets us up sometimes for, right. for um, you know, for, for what he has for us because he knows that it's better. <laughs> he knows what we need better yeah. than we do, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then so how when long we, were when you we went to there? New what, how long was I there? 
Uh, yeah. How long were you in that role as the as the children's pastor at Evangel? Total, I was there close to three and a half years. About okay. three and a half years. I, I think I saw myself being there longer than that. But again, another transition came that was kind of unexpected. But um, when we first went to New Jersey, um, the church had a house for us to live in, and they gave us health insurance, but there was no salary involved. Um, okay. Uh, it was it was a complete step of faith on our end. Obviously, that's the two major things to be covered. To have somewhere to stay and to have health insurance was significant. Sure. And um, but um. um uh, we grew into it being then full-time on the staff. So when initially when I went, I did what many a person in ministry does. You know, uh, you, you remember JC Navarro, you knew him. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. uh, he had a cleaning company. So I cleaned schools for him at night and would strip and seal floors. And gotcha. um, I was a crossing guard for the school district. Really? Yeah. So I did the morning <laughs> and afternoon. So what, what happened is in the morning and afternoon, I could be the crossing guard. I could still be at the church during the day. And then I'd put my wife and baby to bed and go clean schools at night <laughs> so that I could start that all again the next day. But most of us have been there. You do what you have to do. Yeah. And yeah. Um, um, to get through that. But um, but over the uh, a period of really about it didn't really take long, only about six months um, that that okay. changed. And um, a tremendous testimony of what God did in me at that time was. Uh, we were really struggling uh, financially. Not getting paid kind of does that. <laughs> yeah, I get <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so a wife and a baby were struggling. My student loan payments are starting the whole bit. Mm, you know, you got right, your car, yeah. car insurance. We lived in the house, but we had to pay our own utilities on it. So I'm making money, but really not enough. And um, I, I prayed a crazy prayer. Um, where I really kind of challenged God in that season, not in a good way, in a bad way, yeah. um, where I kind of called him out, where I gave God an ultimatum. I still remember it. It was in the sanctuary all by myself early one morning. I'd go over and pray sometimes by myself in the sanctuary of the church mm. early. Yeah. And, um, and I was in there early one morning praying, and I gave God this ultimatum where I told him um, that if things didn't change, and if I didn't get a salary from the church by, and I gave him a date, I don't know what the date was that I was leaving, uh -huh. that I can't live like this. I've got to go get a better job. I have a wife, I have a baby, you know, I have responsibility wow. to support my family. I can't do yeah. this. And so I genuinely prayed this prayer and, um, and, and, um, and it was like the heavens were brass. There was, it wasn't like I heard God speak to me. There was just silence off of my prayer. And uh, that day, um, when the day I prayed that prayer, we went to what was called like a sectional ministers fellowship for uh, for mm -hmm. pastors. And it was fine. They sometimes were a little dry. It was nothing special. There was a little worship time. Maybe someone prayed, shared a few things together, have some refreshments. It's just pastors getting together. And we were in the worship time at it. And it's, it's 15, uh -huh. 20 guys together. And the song leader was leading the old chorus. I don't know if you remembered or not. Lord, you are more precious than silver. Oh, yeah. And I'm fresh out of Bible school. So mm -hmm. while he's up there leading this song, you know, Lord, you are more precious than silver. Yeah. I'm fresh out of Bible school. So I critique everything. Yeah, so I'm man. I'm standing there and I'm not even singing. I'm not even singing. I'm In my mind, I'm thinking, why do we sing songs like this? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Like, this is such a corny song. Why would we compare God to this? 
And God, I know it wasn't an audible voice, but he spoke so clearly to me. And I heard God say to me, am I more precious than silver? Wow. And I mean, it floored me because I knew yeah. exactly what God was talking about. And I mean, I broke. Mm. So we're in this dry meeting with nothing happening. I go up to the altar. I'm up there crying, wow. bawling, <laughs> committing myself to God, saying, That's God, awesome. I'll stay here as long as you want me here and do what you've called me to do. You know, pastors over there tapping me on the back after a bit, like, we got to go. <laughs> but what are you um, doing? It's not that kind of meeting. Yeah, like, what's wrong with this guy I just hired? And so um, funny. But, um, but it was incredible that moment moment and i mean it was it was so rapidly after that that the church then started giving me a salary and all and um, i had to believe that um um part of that growth that was necessary in that time was that real breaking in me of you yeah. know that i'm just going to say yes yeah. god i'll just say yes to you and to what yeah. you want and um um with that so and and so, but, but yeah, that, that was kind of our crazy start to Bridgewater. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> but, but we loved it there. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Well, first of all, it's, it's, it's so crazy how we get out of Bible college and we think we know something because we went to Bible oh, yeah. school, like all of a sudden we're God's gift to ministry. And it's like, nope, yeah. let me drop we you know down how a couple our pastors of pegs. are supposed to do it now and how the church is exactly. supposed to run. Exactly. Yeah. I, I'm going to correct some things. Don't worry. I'm going to set them yeah. straight. <laughs> No, slow your roll, bro. And then God just wrecks you in, the, in this room. Walking in on some guy who's done it for 25 years, but we know how to tell him how to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah. know what's going on. I know what's going on. Yeah, it's so funny. It's so funny. Um, yeah, it just seems like the more that we, the more that we grow in the Lord and the more we get to know him and the more we, you know, the more time we spend doing these things in the ministry context and and everything that we do, it's like, just realizing more and more like how much I don't know how much, sure. how much growth I still have in front of yeah. me. And, but you know, when you're young and when you're, you know, doing all that, you don't really tend to think that yeah. way, <laughs> Yeah. but that's such a, that's such a cool story. I love that. I love, um, I love that. Uh, well, it's, it's cool that God, you know, God really got a hold of, um, of you, early so to speak you know yeah. early on in in that process of that new position that you were in and um the the fact that you were there and just learning how to go through that process of trusting god you know um i i remember i remember you know for me like i had grown up in a in a you know pretty good family you know growing up situation i was really blessed to come out of bible school and to like not have any student loan debt or anything like that because my parents you know paid for it and right. like all of it like i was i was really blessed to start off that way but then my wife and i went to mexico as missionaries for the first three years of our marriage and it was just like okay for the first time in my life i had to learn how to trust god you know for the yeah. first time in my life i had to learn um not that I had never had the opportunity to like trust God, but with my finances and with the well-being of my family and all of that, that was new to me. And yeah. so it was just being in this in this place where, you know, when you don't really have anywhere else to go but God for your right. resources, for your sustenance, for, you know, whatever it is that you need, whether you're talking about, you know, it could be a physical thing, it could be whatever. But in that place where you're sort of up against the wall and you don't really have any other recourse except that God comes through for you. It's just amazing 
first of all, the growth that takes place in your life when that happens, yeah. but also like yeah. the, just the, the, when you get to, it's one thing to know that God is your provider. You know, it's one thing to know that God is your healer, but it's another thing to know God as your provider and as your healer, yeah. and, you know, to, to really have yeah. those personal experiences with him where you build that history you know, that personal history with God. Yeah. I believe we can look at testimonies of others and yeah. see, okay, this is what God did. And so this is who God is. I, I believe in all of that. But when it's a personal experience that you've had with God and really building that history, it's just so precious and it's so valuable. Yeah. I you think know? you, I think through it, you come to, to, to get to know God better also as the, the source of your provision, as opposed to the, the channel, like you, you, you distinguish between them. Like even in ministry, you know, I can make the mistake um, if I wasn't careful of viewing the church as the source of my provision, but it's not, nor is any employer that I've ever had. You know, my employer is just the channel of my provision, but God is my source. So that means that when, when I really get that, when I really understand it, I'm able then to step out in faith and do something crazy, like go to Mexico for three years, like you said, because right. we understand more of wait. Somebody could say, well, wait a second, you're, you're leaving your job. You won't have any provision. It is like, no, no, no. My, pro, my provision didn't change because they, these are all just channels. Yeah. But the source of my provision is the same as long as I just follow him. So um, important to get to know God as that and in that yeah. role. Yeah. So, yeah, it's so, so good. So, I mean, um, Yonkers, we were there for almost 23 years after pastoring there. And when I resigned from the wow. church in Yonkers, I didn't even know where we were going. We didn't have another position. We didn't know where we were going to be. We are not independently wealthy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't have any um, income. It was like, so how are we going to live? But that that radical step of faith also really also came out of, okay, God, you're my source. So if this is what you want, I have to trust you'll continue to be that source and you'll just create mm. a different channel to provide for me through. Yeah. So, um, wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I wasn't, I wasn't aware of that at all. Um, so I just assumed that it was just a, you know, seamless transition from one to the other. So I had about a year gap. Wow. Yeah. I had about a year in between. Yeah. And was that basically just because you, you sensed the Lord was transitioning you. And so you were just kind of following or were there, other circumstances behind that? Yeah, we, um, my wife really started sensing that ahead of me of, okay. um, coming to me saying, you know, she felt like we needed to start praying about, um, you know, our time there and things like that. And I also had given it thought and things. We had been there a long time at that time, but we committed to a season of prayer, uh, praying and fasting in that and, and, and came to a place of recognizing, um, uh, it's time for us to step out of this role mm. Um, that God had something, not only did God have something, was there going to be something new for us, but that God wanted to do something new in Yonkers also that would be without us, you know, that, 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 that chapter was done that he wanted to do something mm. new there. Wow. So, um, I'm recognizing that. So, so we, we stepped out and, um, um, I, I really felt that God dealt with me going all the way back to those Bridgewater days that initially my thought was I've got to find another position first. And God kind of took me back to that moment of, can you still trust me? Wow. Um, can you still wow. trust me, you know, for your provision to step up? Because I had, you know, I had loaded up my wife and baby in a U-Haul truck 20 some years earlier yeah. with no promise of any paycheck and was just trusting God that he would provide. 
And that was, can, can you do that again? And, and what I have found in my old age, um, as the years have gone by, is that um, the older I get, if I'm not careful, the more security becomes an idol in my life. Come on. Um, almost to bow down and worship um, that I want to be safe. I want to be secure. Because, you know, when you're really young, you know, when you're 24, 22, whatever, you know, you got a lot of rebound time. You're, you're crazy. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. you almost think you're immortal still at that age anyway. Like nothing's going to take you out. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, once you hit the 50 mark or whatever, you start realizing, wait, retirement's going to come. You know, I have to have a place to live and, and, and security, safety uh, start to become something that you really follow. And yeah. it's not that it's wrong to want to be secure or plan or any of those kind of things. But at the same time, I think God wants 50, 60, 70 year olds to still walk by faith. Come on. You know, man. like I don't want to stop walking by faith when I'm 70. Yeah. <laughs> I, want to, I want to be Caleb, you know, so <laughs> like, good. Um, when he's 80, like, hey, I can still do it. Yeah. Um, so that was the real challenge with us. So it's not that I think everybody should do that, that everybody has to do right. that. It was just a personal thing with us. And, um, um, so in that gap, in that year, I preached in a lot of different churches. People would invite me in to preach. Um, I did a lot of work with Convoy of Hope. Um, if people aren't familiar with Convoy of Hope, it's a great relief organization and, uh, they do children's feeding initiative programs around the world. So yeah, uh, hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico right around the time I was leaving mm. Yonkers and my wife's from Puerto Rico. So we yeah. went to Puerto Rico for about three months in and out to help with the disaster relief and, um, and work with them. And, um, and then I just did different side jobs and things like that. I painted places and helped lay block and did whatever I, you know, it was like going back to cleaning schools for JC Navarro. Yeah. It was like, yeah. let me just do what I have to do to know that I can put groceries on the table this week and, and, and live. So that's really what that year was like as, as we went through that and, and God was faithful. He provided for us and, and saw us through. And, um, uh, we, at no point in time in the year, did I seek another position? Um, wow. I was just doing that. And, um, I, um, uh, had, um, someone who I know who mentioned this church to me a couple of times that they needed a pastor and because it's a very international church. He thought I'd be a good fit. Um, the superintendent of the Potomac Ministry Network of churches that this church is a part of. It's Virginia, Maryland, and West Virginia. Uh, he had called me, spoken with me once about it. I liked the interview with Dennis Rabino. Nothing came of it. (laughs) (laughs) But then I got this random phone call one time. The church had an interim pastor that said his brother-in-law had died, and he couldn't Mm -hmm. be at the church on Sunday. And someone called and asked, can you go to that church and preach this Sunday? We need someone wow. to fill the pulpit. And I did. And here I am. Um, wow. Um, uh, three plus years later, that uh, that was our connection here. We came in. So that's not normally how it works. Sure. I never submitted a resume. I never did an interview. I, yeah. um, I came back a couple of weeks later and met with some folks and preached again. And we just knew, wow, God's in this. This is a God wow. thing. Um, it's just a unique moment. And, um, wow. and here we are. <laughs> yeah, no, that's amazing. Cause I mean, again, it goes back to the same thing that you've been talking about this whole time is just like, God knows God, God knew the whole time that that phone call was going to come. He knew all of it. And so just being in that place, I, I think kind of, kind of harping on this because I, I think that this is going to be helpful to a lot of people because we all, we can all relate to that, you know, in, in one way or another in terms of, okay, God, 
this next season of my life? What do I do? How do I trust you? You know, um, where do I go from here? And I think so often we're just so quick to just try to take the reins and to take matters into our own hands and try to just do what makes sense and figuring stuff out on our own. And, you know, it, and, and so often we'll use wisdom as a scapegoat and we'll call it, we'll call, well, we got it, you know, we got to use wisdom. Can't go out and do right. that because that wouldn't be good wisdom. And so we, right. we spiritualize it or we, you know, we try to spiritualize it, but God's wisdom is so often, if not always like completely contrary to the way that man's wisdom would work. You know, yeah, the wisdom of God is foolishness. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and all of yeah. that. It's just so yeah just just learning to just cultivate that relationship of of trust with god i remember being in sunday school and just growing up and the lessons are very very simple and i I remember over and over again hearing trust and obey and singing little kids songs about trust and obey Mm -hmm. and then somewhere along the line we grow up and then trust and obey becomes way way more complicated and convoluted so we think because oh well now i've got this person to take care of and i've got these kids and i've got grandkids and i've you know all these different yeah. things but if we just keep our lives simple to that point of okay trust and obey it, it looks yeah. different than it did when i was five singing a song right. but it's the the concept is the same god is yeah. good god is faithful he knows what he's doing and so if i'll listen to his voice and go where he leads me there's zero reason for me to be afraid you know, right. even though I might not be able to see what's what's coming next, I'm I'm trusting him, and and that's where, that's where my strength is. That's where that's where the Amen. power is. That's where you know that's where everything yeah. is. So yeah, um, good. Yeah. So okay, so we we go from Yonkers Christian Assembly, right? And you said you were there for 23 years. Yeah, almost 23 years. Yeah, 23 years. And I remember I was, I I got to visit you there it might have just been once i think it was just one time but um and uh, you said a minute ago how that was such an uh you know international kind of a congregation i remember the just an incredible and beautiful diversity um in that church right like how many how many nations would you say like were were represented in yonkers we generally had about 30 different nationalities man yeah that's so beautiful so how does that relate to where you are where you are now? Are, are there There was a lot um, of prep. The community is different, but but now we are 40 plus different nationalities. Come on. Where I am now. Yeah. So so when um um I saw a list recently, I've seen it a couple of times actually my time here, but it lists the the most diverse cities in the United States of America. And four of the top 10 most diverse cities in the United States of America are all in Montgomery County, Maryland, oh my um, gosh. where we are now. So um, is Silver that Spring, because Maryland, of the proximity to D.C.? That's exactly what or? it is. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot of, um, um, you know, diplomats, international workers, things like that that come to the community. And then wow. uh, once you have folks from somewhere else, it also brings other people as well, because. People like to live together and, and things like that. Yeah. So, um, so uh, it's just a very um, international uh, community, and then the church is reflective of that, which is nice. So, um, um, there there are particular communities that are larger than other ones, um, but but it's very diverse. Yeah, no no wow. single majority really. Uh, so that time in Yonkers really helped prepare us for 
being in an international church as well, because it's unique to not have one people group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, real unique. So and I, I believe there's um, I believe there's a lot of strength in diversity. It brings challenges with it that you yeah. wouldn't have if everyone was the same. But and, and you like I cross cultures in marriage and all. So it mm -hmm. brings things with it that other people maybe don't experience in, in relationship. Um, but um, but the strength that comes out of it, I believe, is well worth any of the, the added challenges or difficulties because everybody brings something to the table. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I think um, I definitely I, I just imagine there's got to be some really tremendous challenges there. But yeah, just the the I, I I'm if I can if I can use this word that I'm envious, uh, <laughs> but, you know, of just that that diversity. I think that's so that's so amazing. That's so beautiful. How do you, how do you guys navigate that? Like. Um, in terms of your worship experiences, I imagine that if you ever have a potluck, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, stuff those, like those, that. Those but, are incredible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine. Like you don't have to even try. You just say, just bring, bring, bring what you want, and then I just, and yeah. then it's just got to be amazing, you know. And we have um, those things, and they're unbelievable. Yeah, because uh, and I like food, and I love to try new things, and also for me, that's an incredible experience. Um, um, there's there's no way to provide you know like a worship and song experience or whatever sure. that that meets everyone's preference when you're a diverse sure. group. Yeah. Um, it, it requires a lot of compromise um, and and give and take on everyone's part for that to be fruitful of you know of of, of recognizing that. So so we we have things in the year like what we call our international or our all nations weekend and things where we incorporate other cultures. Uh, and, and do other things like that along the way to help uh, um, bridge some of that. And then some of the folks in our church, of course, are a part of uh, other ethnic fellowships where they get together with believers from their own culture as well. You know, mm, that's cool. You know, as we have yeah. Ethiopian families in our church, but they may also be connected to an Ethiopian Christian fellowship that, where they fellowship together and have their wow. own music, their own language, things like that. Um, I think as a pastor, you need to be someone in an international setting who's real comfortable with that. You know what I'm saying? That that doesn't, I think there are some pastors maybe yeah. who are controlling that that might bother yeah. them in some ways of, no, 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 you should only be here. You shouldn't be. And um, to not think that way. I mean, I try to think of like, you know, what if you and I, what if we move to wherever, pick any country, you know, if I just ended up in, you know, in the jungle of Brazil somewhere, and there was some American group of Christians that were getting together once a month just to sing English songs yeah. and more like home. Yeah. We'd probably want to also go to that. Yeah. yeah. Just because of the nostalgia and the connection to it and who we are. So, uh, so folks in the community are part of things like that um, also as well, but, but generally they're really drawn to also just the international flavor of the church and like that. And, and their kids are growing up here. Um, right. so, you know, right. no matter where you came from and you can fight it all you want, uh, you'll have a lot of influence over them and you'll have more influence than anybody as a parent. Sure. But reality is your child becomes Western, <laughs> a part of the Western culture. You know what yeah. I mean? When I say yeah. that, yeah, because they grow up here and there's just no, no fighting that. Yeah. So I, I think for a lot of those international families, it helps them to be in a church more like that, as far as their students are concerned, their kids are concerned as well, mm. that there's a, a setting, you know, a lot of the kids grow up and don't speak well the language from home. They might speak it, but not the same way. But, you know, for, for them, they go to school in English, their world is in English. They need a worship 
experience in all in English. So yeah. I think parents often sacrifice what might even be their preference to know that their kids are kept in the body of Christ and all wow, that as good well. Point. But, yeah. Wow. So oh, but we love it. Yeah. I think yeah. that's so beautiful. I, I think, yeah, I, I think any any time that we can we can pursue diversity, like you said, I think that it strengthens us more than anything. And yeah. uh, I love that, man. I love your heart on that, that you're not like controlling with with people. And I, I, right. I know some unfortunately, I, I know some pastors who would be opposed to that, you sure. know, uh, yeah. because they wouldn't want to lose somebody. And, right. you know, the, but just being just being open with people and understanding, yeah, where they're coming from. And yeah. years ago, he said, you lose your goats, not your sheep. Come on. Love yeah. it. Love it. <laughs> and and <Yeah>. so. <laughs> oh, and so. OK, so how many how many years and I don't mean to date you or anything, but <laughs> but uh, how many how many years have you been in full time ministry altogether then? In full time, or just in ministry 30. since you since you've started in ministry till now? Yeah, over thirty. Mm. Yeah, which is amazing to me. Yeah, to think that. Yeah. See, I always thought uh, in my mind you were at Evangel for longer. You said you're three, three, three and a half years, something like that. Right. In my mind, you were there longer, but I guess I just lucked out and I just caught you. <laughs> I just happened to be that. like five, a five-year-old, uh, like right around that time. Um, right. When uh, either either right after you got started, maybe or something like that. But, um, right. but I remember we had so much fun back then, man. And uh, well, back then to me, you were you were Pastor Jimmy. When did people stop yeah. calling you Pastor Jimmy? Was it was it when you stopped when you moved on to uh, from you know when you left the children's ministry? Was that I still get called it with... sometimes, but mostly okay. <laughs> I get called Pastor James now. Um, yeah. it, it transitioned somewhere along. <laughs> Maybe I grew up from Jimmy to James. I don't know. But in, in Yonkers, I was Pastor Williams um, all through it. Okay. And, and I, I didn't really pick that. Uh, when I got there, uh, people started calling me Reverend Williams a lot. And I didn't really want to okay. be called Reverend Williams. So when they, I am a reverend, but I didn't want to be called Reverend Williams. Yeah. So when they would yeah, say Reverend Williams, I would usually quickly go, pastor is okay. And then they just started saying pastor Williams. And then that just became what I was called. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, through my time there. Yeah. And, um, and then here it's been more past, but reality is when you're a pastor, mostly you just get called pastor. Nobody puts anything with it. <laughs> Right. Like yeah. No name goes on. <laughs> the title becomes your name is what happens. Yeah. So I had a little boy in my office one time in Yonkers and he was probably no more than about six or seven years old. And he was talking to me. His name was Nashawn Faulkner and Nashawn's in the office talking to me. And he's kind of messing around some stuff in the office. His mom was our receptionist at the church and, and in their school. So he'd come in there after school and things sometimes. And he says off the cuff, he says, so how did you get that name? And I was like, well, what, what do you mean? Like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, how did you get, how did you get your name? And I was like, I don't know. I just have the name that my mom gave me. And he's like, so your mom named you pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, no. I was like, Nashawn, that's not my name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's my title. So it turned out when I told his mom this story, she said that he had been at home recently starting to say that he wanted to be a pastor 
but he felt like he couldn't be because she had named him Nashon. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And she was trying to explain to him that he didn't have to be named pastor to be a That's name. So, so he was he was thinking this through when he asked me this. Yeah. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So then, okay, so you've been in um, ministry, different different capacities, different contexts, um, you know, for, for a number of years. Um, I've probably just because of a lot of the people that I'm connected to, uh, I would imagine that, um, you know, there's going to be some young ministers, people, you know, either either new in the ministry or kind of in my, you know, sort of time frame, you know, 10 to 15 years in the ministry. Um, what would you say has been sort of, I don't want to call it like the secret, but um, maybe like something that you, you think, or maybe, I don't know, one thing or a couple of things that have helped you just all of these years, just kind of stay committed, stay focused. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of disappointment and disillusionment, you know, when it comes to, to ministry. And I think wow. that the, um, I think the statistic is like 50% of ministers starting out now will not last more than five years. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's really crazy statistics. I think I, I, I heard somewhere that like one in 10 um, ministers will actually retire as a minister, meaning that they'll actually, yeah. you know, stay in ministry all those years that like 10%. Um, it's crazy. And so, you know, a lot of people burn out, a lot of people get worn out, a lot of, um, yeah, just all of that. And so all right. of these years being in ministry and raising a family and walking with the Lord through all of this, um, is there any wisdom that you would share with a young minister or maybe not even a, a, a young minister, but, um, but, but anybody who's in ministry, just like how they can make it, how they can keep going? Right. Yeah. Um, it sounds silly to just say, don't quit. Don't quit. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> don't stop. Yeah. Um, um, I, I think of, um, um, of Jeremiah, like when he's a young minister and when you read through the beginning of Jeremiah, he, he does come across at a point where he seems like he wants to quit. Um, yeah. You know, that he doesn't want to preach the message. He, he seems like he wants to quit. And, um, I think um, recognize as well. I, in fact, I think I heard Tommy Barnett say this the first time um, uh, years ago. Um, Tommy Barnett said, it's okay to want to quit as long as you don't. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Jeremiah it's wanted good. to. It's good. But he didn't. He didn't. He stuck yeah. with it. Yeah. So I think everybody goes through seasons of, wow, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, you know, um, this is tough, uh, whatever, you know, why, why to live in the fishbowl, why to, you know, the, the, the critique of everyone else and so many people, like I could just go, you know, work at the grocery store or pump gas or whatever else. Um, yeah. but, um, but, um, um, that, 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 that's, those are thoughts that can happen to anybody along the way. Um, sure. um, I mean, I, I knew all along, that, that God really had called me into full-time ministry. Mm. I, I didn't always know what that would be. Um, you know, when I was yeah, in, same. you went to Bible school, when I was in Bible school, yeah, there were people that they could sit and tell you, I'm going to be a youth pastor for four years, then I'm going to pastor church, and I'm going to be a missionary. They had it all laid out. I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do, man. I'm just, yeah. Yeah, I was just the following same way. God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
and um, yeah, I'm just I'm walking through the open doors, yeah, you know? <laughs> and trusting God will close the ones I shouldn't go through. Yeah. Um, so um, so I just always um really believed that God had called me. So of course I'm wanting to to follow that call, but um, I I think probably the time that I was most disillusioned, um, would have been um, when I left the church in Yonkers. Um, there was a season there. I, I didn't recognize it um, until after I had already left. But when I initially, after I had already left, we went through, I, you know, you hear of pastors sometimes who will take a sabbatical or something like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that I needed that and didn't know I did. Gotcha. That I needed gotcha. a gap to pull back for a bit, um, um, kind of to refresh and yeah, makes sense. Um, uh, things like that. Um, so, so uh, uh, that 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 when that that kind of pullback helped me to then jump back in, but um, I don't know if you ever knew Randy Sabella. Randy I Sabella, no, I not personally. All right, so he was on staff in Bridgewater for like a year because they brought him on because he was going to plant the new church, and I think it was Greenbrook, New Jersey, and Bridgewater mm -hmm. was mothering this new church, and he was and right. he was to go pastor the new church. So he and I were there. We went to Valley Forge for just a year together because he was a senior when I was a freshman. So I'd already met him um, before, but then we ended up there together as well um, for that year. But we stayed connected still to this day. We still are. And um, I was talking with him. I don't know. You know, I'm working with Convoy of Hope. I loved what I was doing, the disaster relief stuff and all that I was doing. Convoy of Hope even talked to me about coming on their staff and just working with them. I loved what I was doing. I was still active yeah. in ministry. I'm preaching in churches. And um, I was talking with Randy one time, and I don't remember what I said, but I must have said something along the line of, you know, I'm cool with this, you know, like, um, and and I'll never forget Randy saying to me, um, uh, he says, I need for you to remember, like, you can't forget that you're a leader, that that's who you wow. are. Like, don't forget that. Like, whatever you do, you have to remember that you're a leader. Yeah. Somehow that logged away in there. And when I came here, even to start pastoring here, I'd probably only been here a few weeks and I called him and recalled that conversation for him and told him, Hey, that, that meant a lot because uh, it's possible that I could have bailed on it in that window of saying, I don't want to do that anymore, you know, and just walked yeah. away and said, I'll go do something that's easier. Um, and, um, but that meant a lot. So, so maybe though it's not a secret or a trick, Man, I'd say part of it would be having good people around you who can speak into your life. That's for sure. <laughs> that's good yeah. wisdom. Yeah. You know, not being a lone ranger, not flying solo. Uh, and I don't have a lot of those people, but I do have uh, three or four that, you know, um, like I can't say we talk like that every couple months or whatever. Us could do almost anything and we'd still be there for each other. Like even if one of us really did something stupid, <laughs> yeah, they'd be like, "Listen, man, you know what I'm saying? Like that they that they wouldn't let go of you. It's like, no, yes. I'm gonna stay yeah. after you, and you're gonna come out of this. And yeah, um, um, so I I think that I think that that is important. I think it's a dangerous thing, um, and it's easy, man. It's easy to isolate ourselves. Um, mm. but you know, we preach in churches the importance of fellowship and all, and you know, Christianity lived in isolation doesn't look anything whatsoever like biblical Christianity. No. Um, no. And uh, <laughs> so, I mean, these guys had all things in common and are selling stuff to help each other out. And wow. so I think as pastors, it's important that we remember that as well. That doesn't just go for those who are, are attending church. 
that's just as true for us. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. That we're staying connected and, and not, not, yeah. Um, um, not, not too isolated, I think is a big, is an important thing there as well. Uh, yeah, that's uh, huge. Whenever, whenever we get out on our own, we can, it just becomes so deceptive because we could think that everything is good. We can think that we're doing all the right things. And, but yeah, we, we definitely need that sort of, you know, camaraderie, that fellowship um, of, of other people that love us and that know us that we could be open with. I mean, we all go through, you know, struggles. We all, we all have like stupid thoughts sometimes and just different things and just being able to, to talk about those things. Because if not, I think that, I mean, obviously the enemy is trying to take people out of ministry and right. take people out of their position, whether it's ministry or not, their position of effectiveness, their position of assignment. And right. if he can, you know, find a way to kind of like wiggle in there through some, you know, crack in the foundation and, and, and just what you're saying is so good because, you know, one of the, I, I just think one of the greatest practical things that we can do is what you're saying is have good people in our lives that we know that we love, that we trust, that we know that are going to speak into our lives, that if we're having an issue or a struggle or a faith fight or whatever it might be that we can, you know, talk about it and not do everything on our own. Because when you're doing things on your own and trying to keep up a front like everything's okay, that really yeah. can quickly lead to burnout and frustration sure. and, you know, all these other things. And so, yeah, yeah, what you're saying. One 100%. thing, and I don't know, man, after all these years, um, that the pastor of the church that I originally got saved in, he died a couple of years ago. Um, so he's, you know, glorified body and gone home. But he, he came to the church in Yonkers one time um, as a surprise to me. He was there on my last Sunday also. So I stayed connected with him over the years, but um, it was my 10 year anniversary in the church. And my wife was kind of the behind the scenes individual who worked this out where the church had him come in to preach that Sunday in our church. And I didn't even know he was coming. Um, so it was a total surprise and all. And I remember him sitting in my office with me uh, before that service. And not at that point now, I had already been through my years in Bridgewater and all in Bible school and your ministry there. Now I've been here 10 years. And he asked me a question. He said, are you still having fun? And um, and I didn't just answer yes or no. I remember when he said, are you still having fun? I sat there and I thought about it for a little bit. And I said to him, and this is how I answered. I didn't answer yes or no. I said this. He said, are you still having fun? I paused. And then I said this. I still love church. Mm, and it okay. was, he kind of <laughs> smiled off. I said, I still love church. Um I said, there are things that I have to do now that I don't like, um, you know, administrative things and this kind of stuff that I don't like. I don't really enjoy them. Some of the people problems that I have to deal with. Um, but it's like, but I do those things so that I get to do <laughs> yes. yeah. what I love to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I come out of church off of a Sunday where, you know, where we just baptized some people or just had a great time in the presence of God and God's worth goes for, I don't know, 30 plus years later, I never get tired of that. Mm. Like I can honestly say, yeah. even in the dry seasons, it's never Sunday morning. And I'm like, I don't want to go to church today. I'm yeah. always <laughs> excited about it. I'm always up. Now I will confess that when I first got to Yonkers and we had Sunday morning and Sunday night, there were some Sunday nights that I wasn't too excited about because I was exhausted. Yeah. I was yeah. married, you know, I had young kids. I'm working on the side, trying to make a living. 
And I was, I remember saying to my wife with those services, sometimes I would say, I can't blame anyone for not coming because I don't even want to go. <laughs> That's as crazy as that sounds. So we were just, no, doing I've, so I've much. been there. I, I, I would um, say I've been there. Yeah. 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 But, but the boy, the, the, the main worship experience, even we come in during the week just mm. to study God's word and be together. I don't know. I love that experience. I, 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 I love the presence of God and I love the, um, as frightening as it is, as frightening as it is in a full gospel setting, um, I love the um, the the unknown nature right. that comes with the spirit of God as well. Of yeah. maybe it's going to all just go the way we planned it, but maybe it's not. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe yeah. something completely different is going to happen today that we didn't plan. And obviously, I'm praying like you and everybody else. God sure. guide us in the preparation. You know, I want to be led sure. in my preparation. And we're going to plan well and lay things out well so that we know we're organized and structured. I think all that's important. But just when you come in stone, you say, you know what, God, we, we asked you to lead us in the planning, but it's your church and it's your plan. So, you know, and as we all know, there are times, man, between, you know, maybe it's the gifts of the spirit. Maybe it's just the worship yeah. time goes in a different direction. Maybe it's just, but even if that doesn't happen, whatever it is, I don't know. Just the supernatural yeah. nature of church is just. Um, come on. I just don't tire of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. So um, I got blessed here in that um, uh, here in Silver Spring, uh, we have an outside accounting firm uh, that the church contracts with. And uh, they have a bookkeeper that they assign to us. That's here one day a week and all. So a lot uh -huh. of the, uh, the, the financial, the administrative, this kind of stuff, it's just all completely taken yeah. care of separately, nice. which yeah. then, helps me to be much more freed up for church. Come on. Um, you know, we have a, uh, we're fortunate, you know, I have a building custodian who handles most everything around the building and the landscaping and all those kind of things. So we're, we're, we're staffed a little better here. You know, I mentioned we were starting the individual who even set this up for me, our tech person and all. So, yeah. Um, so that those things are nice and in, in helping with that. But, um, but even if I was in a setting again where, which could happen, where I was pastoring 30 people and I had to wear every hat, which if God wants me to do that again, and that's what I want yeah. to do, I think yeah. I'd still love, I'd, I'd do it all just so I could get to church. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Yeah, oh, yeah I, lo I yeah. love it, man. I, lo I love going to church just to kind of see what God's going to do, you know? And I, I used to... I used to have that struggle very, very early on in my ministry, like, and then I kind of got, I, I started to understand it more, but I, I sort of had this thing where I felt like the, that the preparation for, you know, preparing a, uh, spending time preparing a sermon, the, the preparation of, you know, making sure that the service is ready and things are going to run smoothly and all that, where I felt like that was somehow less spiritual. And, right. and I was like, and then I was like, no, wait, hold on. God can. God can move in the preparation phase just as much as he can move in the moment, you know, and God can God's presence. Yeah. Like I can be hearing his voice and seeking his face for for the service that's going to be next week. But I could do that now because God already knows right. what's going to happen then. Yeah. So I struggled with that a little bit at the beginning. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I believe in that. I believe in being ready. Yeah. I believe in the excellence. But I also love it when God just decides I'm just going to mess up these plans today and I'm just going to go in this direction. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that that's something that is just so awesome about the nature of God that we never want to lose is 
just being willing to flow with him where he's going, you know, Amen. and uh, not not to get so rigid in our preparation and and everything that we don't leave the door open for the Holy Spirit to, you know, have his way and to and to move in a different direction. And I uh, I love that, man. I, I, I love what you're saying. I think that if church is boring, then we are fundamentally missing the the purpose for why we're there you know yeah. um and yeah. it doesn't matter if it's 10 people or you know and you don't have great sounding instruments and lights and all that kind of stuff like you don't need that for church to be exciting i mean right. i don't have i don't have a problem with any of that stuff but you don't need that kind of stuff for church to be fun for church to be exciting whether you got 10 yeah. people or a thousand people whatever like it's when we focus on him and what he wants to do there should be a level of excitement. And of course, like, I mean, I grew up in church and I wasn't obviously like, I wasn't always excited to go to church when I was a kid and all of that. But like, but uh, I don't know, man, I, I think that right. I, I love what you're saying. I, I love that there's that excitement, that anticipation that's there for what yeah. God is going to do. And, uh, and I just think that if we're, if our eyes are in the right place, if our eyes are on Jesus, that we should always be able to have that, that expectation that he's going to move because he never runs out of cool things to do or say, you know what I mean? Amen. So. Yeah. Um, Dr. McCray, he was one of our professors when I was at Valley Forge and he used to tell us that it was a sin uh, to present the Bible in a boring way. <laughs> Come he, on. Would say it. he would say well, the Bible is the most exciting book that has ever been written. Um, and if you are presenting the Bible to people in a way that is boring, it's not that the Bible is boring. It's that wow. you are. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're presenting it yeah. in a boring way. They would challenge us not to do that. And um, I think it's uh, Mark Batterson. I don't know if you're familiar with Mark Batterson. He pastors here in D.C. He's written a number of great books. Mm -hmm. But um, Mark Batterson, who says, you know, if um, if Christianity is is boring for you, then you're doing it wrong. Yes, I 100%. Yeah. yeah, if you're doing it right, it's not boring. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, yeah. So, I say that to yeah. my kids sometimes because they're just like, I'm so bored. This is boring. I'm like, this isn't boring. Like, not, not about church. This is just about life in general. Right, like, right, right. I'm so bored. Well, maybe the problem is that you're boring. Right. <laughs> I don't know if I should say it to my kids or not, but like, but yeah, it's, it's the same kind of thing. How could the God of the universe be boring? Right. And if we present it in that way, if we present the gospel in a way that's like putting people to sleep or we present the gospel in a way that's like even even in one on one or whatever, we're presenting the gospel in a way that's repulsive to people. That's right. like anti Christ. I mean, that's yeah. like anti what Jesus did. Jesus, he drew sinners were drawn to him. Yeah. Um wealthy people were drawn to him you know i, th I think right. a lot of times we have this i this this wrong idea that it's like oh only like this kind of person went after jesus no all kinds of people were drawn to jesus because yeah. he was real because he was authentic because he was showing them more than what the religious community had shown them all of these years you know he was yeah. showing them something real and tangible that was actually going to impact and change and affect their lives and uh yeah that's it's all we i mean it's just jesus we just present jesus yeah in the right way then sure. yeah yeah amen but, that's good yeah um good. well james not not to not to completely shift gears here but i'm going to completely shift gears here for a second because i just wanted to ask you we're uh we're um getting close to about an hour here but before we go i wanted to ask you um last year at the beginning of the pandemic you 
um, you posted something, right? Do, do you know what I'm referring to? You posted something that was basically along the lines of your pastor has never pastored during a pandemic before. And yeah. that thing was, that you posted, it was, it was went really, really viral. Up and went viral and yeah. yeah. So like, first of all, has that ever happened to you bef before or since where you posted something and it had that, you know, much of a, of an effect and had, had never, done that? Never mainstream? that much. Um, never that much. But I have had a few times where I've posted something maybe that was a little more bold or more radical mm -hmm. that has been shared a great deal or has gone around. Um Cool. Um, you know, um, but uh, that that little thing that I wrote where I was just kind of expressing my heart of, wow, you know, we've never done this before. Um, I never could have anticipated. Um, and, when, and when I wrote it, I wasn't writing it really for our church. And that was why I wrote it the way I wrote it of your pastor hasn't. Because obviously I have lots of social media friends and followers who are not sure. from the church that I pastor. So sure. I was writing it kind of just to, to everyone. Um and um, it was funny in the as it as it followed uh, in the minutes that followed, and all of a sudden I just watched it started to get shared and shared, and it went from hundreds to thousands, and people started texting me and calling me, and in the weeks that followed, it got printed in publications from different yeah. denominations and churches. Yeah. We, I had it emailed to me in different languages from around the world. <laughs> I was like, "This is crazy." Yeah. <laughs> But um, <laughs> but it was true. None of us had ever done it before. Yeah. And and reality is none of us have ever come out of one either. So we have no point of reference. You know, yeah. we have no, no training, no skill set, nothing to know how to do it. It's like we've just all had yeah. to figure it out as we've gone. And what works where you are doesn't necessarily work where I am because people right. are different. Yeah. And, you know, the way the yeah. pandemic impacted different areas varied and unfortunately the it's happened so often not just in, in our country we can say in our country reality is it happens all around the world but the the politics of everything yes that get in there as well where i would be like man this is a virus how is this political <laughs> right no, everything it's is political crazy. no matter what everything it is, is even is a political. virus is political <laughs> weaponized for yeah. your yeah. <laughs> yeah oh it's so, so it's so nuts um but um so, um, but our, um, um, our church overall here has been just so supportive as we've walked through this and have dealt with things and, um, and, uh, and even in our, in our coming out of it yet yeah, uh, together, but yeah, that's, um, yeah, it was so crazy to go into. Yeah. What, what I did not know, and none of us knew was as hard as I thought it was to close church, uh, it was just like a, a one week thing where you just decided that, and it was done. Right. And, uh, I remember there are a lot of churches in our area that announced they were closing for two Sundays and I announced a one. I, uh -huh. I canceled the service before for anything. I came from the school of Dennis Rabineau where it could snow right. two feet and you don't close <laughs> church. And I that remember that. To me. And I operated that way all my years in New York. Yeah. So 23 years in New York in the midst of blizzards, and I'm not exaggerating, we still yeah. had church. There might be a dozen yeah. people there, but we just never closed. So, so yep. all my years of pastoring, I've never canceled a church service for anything. Wow. I mean, a, a hurricane, Hurricane Sandy came and I didn't close. No <laughs> one was church. open we're and we pray. were still open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, so when I gave in and was like, all right, we're not going to meet this Sunday. This was like, this was hard for me. Like, wow. uh, yeah, to do this. And, uh, and people were like, so are we closing for two weeks? And I was like, no, no, one week. <laughs> 
one Sunday. Little did I know, 16 months later, right. there'd still be things we aren't doing oh, again yet. My goodness. <laughs> but um, so so the decision, as hard as the decision to start all of this was, coming out has been even more challenging and different okay. and, and, and all. Yeah. So, but but we keep it's Jesus's church. Right. He keeps building it and we keep going. And yeah. So yeah. I did hear um, a seasoned pastor who's a network leader in our, in our movement of churches who I heard say a few months ago something. And he said that in our network, our church is a part of the Assemblies of God Fellowship of Churches. And he said that in our network of churches, what he's seeing a lot of was that as churches had reopened, about a third of the people had come back and about a third of the people were still watching online. And about a third of the people, we don't know what happened to them. Mm, wow. Um, and, and I think that's been common in a lot of the, across yeah, the country. For sure. Is that a lot of people are just gone. And yeah. um, which is sad. And it's like, okay, so where are we and how do we navigate this? But, um, um, but that has gone on. But the other thing that happened as we come out of it is that church really changed. Um, um, you know, the car radically changed church as it did all right. of life right. 100 years ago. Right. Before the car, you could only eat in the restaurant that was in your town that your horse could get you to or you could walk right. to. You could only go to the church that you could walk to or take your horse to. You could only buy clothes at the store that you could take your horse to. Like you were, True. You, no matter what, you were there. But the car changed everything. Now, when I heard they had better fried chicken in the next town, <laughs> I didn't have to eat fried chicken in my town. Now I could go to that town. And, yeah. and, and not just in business, but we could do it with church as well. Now we could mm. go to church where we wanted to go to church because we had cars, but it was still somewhat limited because you weren't going right. to drive six hours to go to another no. restaurant or to church. Yeah, it's somewhat limited, but it broadened it. And yes. I think that what really magnified through the pandemic is now the Internet did that to us again, mm. um, that um, streaming did that to us again. And those who went before us 100 years ago, they had to learn to adapt that now they were going to be people in their church from the next town over and not just their town. Yeah. And that people from their town were going to go to church in the other town and that that was just how it was going to be. There was nothing you could do yeah. about it. That was just how it was going to be. Yeah. And, um, you know, we have folks now who watch our live stream who don't even live in this state and they watch it faithfully. They even financially give to us and support our church yep. and we're their church. And this happened during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so, you know, church is different now, even though we have our own community and all, but how we fellowship and connect. And I do believe that people should attend church when they can and put forth great effort to do that. I mm -hmm. recognize some people are vulnerable and there are issues there and and uh, can't get out, but that they should. But um, but but we the, the you know, the, the Internet's not a fad. Look at what right. you and I are doing right now. This right. is just how it's going to be from yeah. now on. Normalcy. So yeah, there's no fighting it. We just got to go with it and do the best we can with our new set of circumstances. Yeah. To reach yeah. people and go forth. And so, you know, now a church in a little town in the middle of nowhere can have somebody who's connected to it. Who's not even from the same country. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and and yeah, genuinely absolutely. get connected. So it's just different now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's crazy. I mean, that's, that's what's happened. We, we were not um, doing anything online prior to the shutdown right. and, but we had talked about it for a long time. 
like we had talked about doing it. We wanted to do it. It was on the agenda. It was on the list of things to do. But we were concerned with like, okay, making sure our, we have this kind of equipment and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, you and I, we were even we were talking about this a little bit before we, you know, off air before the live stream started is like w when you are sort of backed into a corner and you don't have anywhere else that you could go, then it, it's just amazing how creativity starts to flow. And how like all of those little details that were holding you back, yeah. they just don't seem to matter as much anymore because it's either, okay, we go online or we don't yeah. have church. <laughs> and so now it's like, okay, well, I guess we're going to roll with what we have. And then you just start to move right. forward and then you see that, okay, well, this actually maybe isn't as difficult or impossible as I had considered it to be. And you just start to roll with stuff and then you see you know, through that process, how God just sort right. of, you know, leads you through stuff. And, um, yeah, even, even yeah. in that, in this past year, we're, we're in the same boat. We've, uh, we've, uh, we've actually grown in terms of our, you know, online, you know, presence and people that sure. have, that have, you know, started, um, following us and, and actually becoming church members, um, through, through the, the, uh, through the shutdown, we actually started a, live stream um in spanish as well that my right. wife and i uh typically do but, so we do uh we do two back-to-back -back services we on sunday mornings we do an english service then we do a spanish service um the spanish service is fully um you know live stream most of the the folks that are with us are actually in mexico and we've uh we've done um some you know ministry in the latino community around here in this area over the years but that was something brand new that was just birthed out of the right. pandemic because yeah. as we were in that shutdown and there were people co coming to follow us online and then we're like, oh, you know what? We have quite a few over in this area. So why don't we just start something in Spanish? And then, you know, that sort of started to grow from there. And uh, so it's just it's just amazing, like how things will happen, how innovation, so to speak, happens when you just again i think it goes back to what we've been talking about this whole time when you're sort of in that place where you all you can do is trust god right now <laughs> yeah because it's not really yeah. in your hands it's out of your hands and when yeah. we're in those situations to not see it as something that is insurmountable but to actually welcome it as a gift and it yeah. might not be it might not seem like a gift at all it might it might be something that just looks terrible but if we can change our perspective i think on you know, where we are and recognize the fact that God knew this was coming and God isn't going to quit on us. So let's just right. keep, let's just keep going forward and yep. trusting him. And then what he brings out of it is just, it's amazing. Yeah. He, Amen. Amen. yeah it's, it's, it's what he's so good at. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, well, um, before I let you go, I, did want to just bring up this might be the deepest question of this of this whole conversation um but i just gotta know man i gotta know what's up with these blue m ms what's the what's, what's not be blue what's the rundown so you've never is this true that you have never had a blue m m in your entire I've life never had a blue m m and i never will m ms should not be blue <laughs> So I remember the invention of the blue M&M and I was really happy about it. So, what right. See, but I lost the tan M&M and the tan M&M somehow was like my favorite one. Really? Yeah, so it tasted the best of all the M&Ms and they took away the best 
tasting M&M to give us the blue one. And um, so when it started, I, I started my lifelong boycott of, and eventually, eventually, M&M Mars Corporation will bow to my demands <laughs> and bring back the tan M&M. <laughs> <laughs> How many nasty letters have you written over the years? Uh, I, I did not remember that piece of the puzzle that they took an Eminem away to bring the blue one in. They did. I yeah. I did not so, remember uh, that. So then that, that was what that, that, that began. So um, I can honestly say, and that means I can't eat a cookie that has Eminem's in it. I can't eat an Eminem McFlurry because I could eat one by accident. So I've never had anything like that before because um, if my wife gets M&Ms, but she rarely gets any more, she used to, but once in a while she could, she'll get the peanut ones and um, she'll try to trick me in like a dark theater or something. (laughs) It's like, do you want some M&Ms? But I don't feel like pulling out the cell phone. What color is this? Nope. Can't have that one. Hand her the blue ones back. And I was like, no. So I have been in a couple of settings before I've been in meetings or whatever, where they give you trail mix or something and has M&Ms in it. And um, and I'll be done in a cup. There'll just be the eight, ten blue M and M's laying there, and someone will ask, like, <laughs> "Why do you not eat those? Like, why are they still there?" <laughs> I can't. I can't. So I'm a man of integrity, even when no one knows. I still don't eat them. <laughs> Come on, man. No, that's that's how, that's that's how we got to so be. My, that's my that's my cause. Yeah, everyone needs a yeah. cause, and this is a big one of mine. Yeah. Yeah, it's so. like preaching the gospel and then the blue M&Ms are like probably right, right, right behind it. Yeah, and so it's uh, you know what is gone, but not forgotten. There we go. Yeah, I think you're onto yeah. something. I think if we could like maybe trick our brains into just developing contempt for all kinds of foods that we shouldn't be eating, um, <laughs> then we could uh, then, you know, we could. Yeah. lose more weight people and... will ask me things like so do you eat would you eat a skittle that's blue or whatever else like i was like oh no no it doesn't have anything to do with the color right it's that they took my yeah. m&m <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> they took my favorite m&m away yeah so you're not anti-blue right you're just right. Well, this is not we're not yeah. going to make this into a political thing for anybody right. out there this is not about a blue and a red thing <laughs> This is uh, this is strictly the M and M's because right. they right. took We're your favorite. M&Ms. Yeah, I'm trying to rile you so, up right now. I don't know if yeah. it's working or not. So. I'm just trying to get you. So maybe no, but, if they bring back the tan one, maybe then I would eat a blue one. Then you could. Because there would also be tan, but but for now, I'm I'm hoping that my lack of uh, purchasing power will have great influence over their company. <laughs> um, the the loss of revenue. <laughs> <laughs> they got to be starting to feel it after all yeah, these years. After all these years, think. they could have made they could have made uh, you know several dollars more than they think. Several, several <laughs> dollars in yeah. the tens of the tens of dollars, tens of dollars more. possibly. Yeah, if they had not done this, so <laughs> well, feel it eventually. Yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll uh, eventually it'll make it up to the upper echelons, right. and uh, yeah. we just need this podcast to go viral, man. That's all we right. need. <laughs> <laughs> right. So people hey, all over the world great. will stop yeah. eating blue M&Ms. Yes. Um, yeah, man. Well, hey, I do really appreciate you again. Thanks so much for your time, Pastor James. Right. And um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's uh, this. This is a, a good place to wrap it up now that we got the important stuff out of the way. Right. And we talked about right. the M&Ms. I just want to make sure we brought that up. But um, 
but yeah, thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, really appreciate you and your heart and, um, and you what well. you're doing. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, Amen. thank you everybody. Thanks so much for, uh, taking the time to check out this episode. If this episode blessed you, added any kind of value to your day, if you're looking for a way that you could support this show, this channel, you can do that by subscribing, by sharing. And if you happen to be listening to this on somewhere later on, like Apple Podcasts or somewhere that it allows you to leave a review, reviews are super helpful. I will literally be your best friend. Um, if I get five reviews from this episode, I will never eat a blue M&M again. That is my, that is my promise. <laughs> I'm <laughs> going to work on that. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Um, all right. Love you all. Pastor James. Thanks again, sir. Love you. I'll Thank talk you. to you later.